Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you this morning. I don't know what you were doing on Wednesday morning, but around 8.30, I was walking down from home, down to the hut, because I'm doing what I try and encourage you to do. Walk if you can to the hut, don't drive. And I was walking down, and, um, and I bumped into one of the church family. And um, they were with their little son on the way to nursery. We were both kind of in a hurry, but you know you do that kind of thing where you have a little chat, but you both need to go. And then a motorbike went past. And this little boy was so excited. But then to top it all, a digger went past. And he was super excited. There was so much excitement there. And I then came in to look at Revelations 5. And it really spoke to me. Because I really believe we need to have that same excitement that that little boy had when he saw the digger and he saw the motorbike. Because you see, in Matthew 18, we read this. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself and becomes like a child. <coughs> Friends, we will grapple with Revelation 5, but I want us to see it through the lens of a child, with that excitement and that kind of enthusiasm and the wow, that we would get the wow of Revelation 5. So we're going to start off at Revelation 5, verses 1 to 6. We're going to cover the whole of the chapter. But let's have a look. Here we go. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And I want to just pause there for a minute. I want to pause there for a minute. You see, we need to understand that this throne is not the kind of throne that you visit at Windsor Castle. Okay? This is a amazing, this is like a throne that is just so amazing. Okay? You know, King Charles and even Queen Elizabeth II had very little power. But that's not the concept here. You see, this throne is the place where final orders come from. It's the highest court. When God speaks, that's it. We carry on. A scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel. Notice it says mighty angel. I don't know about you, but growing up, I thought of angels as these little cherubs with little cheeky, cheeky cheeks because we used to put them on the Christmas tree at Christmas. This is not what we're talking about here. Okay? These angels are messages Messengers from God, they're not like us. They're another order of creative beings, but they're strong, they're powerful, they're wow. Proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And then we read, this is John's vision, and then John says this, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven arms. 
which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Wow, this is hard stuff to get our heads around. But the first thing I want to say, friends, it's not about us. Worship is not about us. But I want to just touch on this scroll. What is this scroll that John is talking about in his vision? You see, back when John was writing, the only documents that would have seven seals on them would be a last will and testament. And this scroll was also a significant document because it had been written on both sides. So it was an expensive piece of parchment. The scroll contained three things. Other commentators say different things, but these are the three key things I want to draw out. They contain, firstly, the inheritance of this world. Secondly, the scroll is God's sealed orders for the universe. And thirdly, the scroll is God's orders for the end of history. In verse 5, we read, John wept and wept as he could not see a way forward. But then we read this. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll with its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Why does the lamb have seven horns in John's vision? Well, it signifies fullness of strength. In the Old Testament, horns signify power. Later on, if you want to, check out Deuteronomy 33, 17. But the Lamb of God is immensely powerful. Then we have these seven eyes, and they signify fullness of knowledge, knowing everything, knowing everything. In Zechariah 4, verse 10, if you use the prayer of this week, you would have seen it on the wall. Who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in that hand of the Lord? The seven eyes, they see everything. And then we come on to the lion. Descriptions of two aspects of Jesus' nature. Friends, he is both conquering lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb who was slain. Couldn't get a lamb that had seven horns, but he get it. He's got that nature of the lion and the lamb. Friends, only Jesus, only Jesus can open the scroll. And John wept and wept, but only Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Could open it. You see, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about me falling to my knees in worship. Can I just actually apologise for something? Last week in the service, I felt the Lord at the end saying, James, go and say there are people that didn't come and kneel who wish they had. I told you now. There's an opportunity this week to come and kneel in worship. I had that strong sense. I thought, I don't want to extend it. I don't want to, but I just had that strong sense. You know, as a guy, sometimes it can be seen as a weird thing to come and kneel down. But we're kneeling down before the Lamb. 
No one else matters. There's a beautiful song that we sometimes sing. And it goes like this. Jesus, lover of my soul, all-consuming fire is in your gaze. Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you all my days. For no one, for no one else in history is like you. And history itself belongs to you. Alpha and Omega, you have loved me and I will spend eternity with you. Friends, if you know and love Jesus, you will spend eternity with God. Wow, worshipping in amazing ways. You know, you, if you like Tim Hughes, it'll be, I guess you, I, I don't like, you know, it, it'll be just amazing. If you like the more chilled out organ stuff, it'll be amazing because, do you know why it'll be amazing? Because you'll be worshipping God. Anything else will not matter in the slightest. This is the next bit I really want us to count on. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. And all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. You alone are holy, and I <coughs> to your ways. Friends, we need to put... Sorry, I've gone one too many. We can go back one. Go back to the lion image if we can. We need to put the conquering lion and the lamb first in our lives. You see, there's that lion, there's that, the roar of the lion, but there's also the gentleness of the lamb. And I was thinking, how can I share that with you guys? And I thought, actually, let's, the one place that I get that wow, because you see, our heads, it's really hard to understand it. And I looked for a piece of art that would get it, and I couldn't find it. But if you've seen the lion and the witch in the wardrobe, there's that scene at the end where Aslan has been slain on the table. And we're going to watch that now.
but a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's head. The stone table will crack, and even death itself will turn backwards. We sent the news that you were dead. Peter and Evan have gone to war. We have to help them. I will, dear one, but not alone. Climb on my back. We have far to go. We have to get there. You see, sometimes I think we pop Scotty into this little box, and he's maybe a bit more like a little cat. But actually, God, he's the roaring lion of Judah. And we need to get that wow. We need to get that wow. Friends, it's not about us. It's perfect sacrifice you could ever describe. Secondly, we're united in worship. Let's read Revelation 5, 7 to 8. Thank you, Carol. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down, and they worshipped before the Lamb. Wow! They were united. They came together in worship. They were also holding golden bowls full of incense. And I don't know about you, but when our prayers, when we bring our prayers, when we bring our prayers to God in those bowls, God, our prayers are like those, they, they're in those bowls, and it's like, oh, wow. The prayers that we prayed here today, whether out loud or quietly in your heart, they're in those bowls, coming before the I want you to get a load of bowls and incense, but it was really complicated and difficult, so we didn't. But you know, we bring our prayers. And you know what, if I'm honest with you, part of our tradition is that we don't have any of that stuff. And sometimes that's not a good thing, because it's like, wow. Just think of wow, your prayers, they're going up. God sees and hears them. William Barclay said this. When we pray, remember, firstly, the love of God that wants the best for us. Secondly, the wisdom of God that knows what is best for us. And thirdly, the power of God that can accomplish it. I was in a prayer meeting this week and somebody said, I asked, you know, sometimes they find it really hard to pray. I love the beauty of the honesty of that. You know, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up if you sometimes find it hard to pray. Sometimes I find it hard to pray. But you know what? It's just coming and just sharing your heart. And sometimes your heart will be, it's really tough. Sometimes you'll be dancing and excited and just praising God. But you know what? The beauty of prayer is we can come and speak to the King of Kings that we read about. 
there were five uh, young college students and they were um, they were going to visit a church and they wanted to go and hear this guy called Spurgeon speak. So they went to this church and um, this elderly guy came um, up and welcomed them and said, they were a bit early and said, do you want to have a look round? So they said, yeah, that'd be great. And he said, do you want to go down to the boiler room? And they said, it was a hot July day and they weren't that keen, but they, they thought they would go with it. So they went down and they looked and as this guy opened this little door, opened this little door, there were 700 people praying for the service that was going to take place a little later that evening. You see, prayer, friends, works. When we fall to our knees in worship and adoration, it works. That really challenged me, that. You might have heard that before. But do you know the other thing that we can do is we can come however we are. Spurgeon said this, the tearful praying Christian whose distress prevents their words will be clearly understood by the Most High. However you are, whether you're happy, whether you're sad, God hears you as you bring your worship, your prayers, your adoration. Let's continue. Friends, thirdly, worship breaks out. Let's read Revelation 5, 9, 14. And they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Friends, verse 10, only Jesus could unlock the gates of heaven. Friends, you are set free from your old way of life. We can live life in all its fullness. And in verse 11, it carries on. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Right, this is a lot of angels. So much so that I showed Helen the figure and I've typed into Google and you can put the figure in and it's about 100 million. Over 100 million. That was just me doing 10,000 times 10,000. So it's a lot of angels. This is a wow moment in this vision. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. The worship was amazing, it broke out. Worship, friends, is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. If we allow God into our everyday, into our hearts, into our minds, into our actions, worship the like of which we haven't experienced will break out and a dying world will notice. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory <coughs> and praise. Friends, every one of us worships something. It's inevitable. It's in our spiritual DNA. You and I were designed to worship. Some of us worship power. Some worship money. Some worship possessions. Some worship themselves. Some worship sex. Some worship family. But friends, some worship the true and living God. And that's what I really believe we're called to do. We can fill our lives with other gods. This is a, an image from Argentina. I love a good football match. This is them returning after the World Cup. But this was worship of a football team that are very imperfect. But friends, we're called to a different type of worship. We're called to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we go into our weeks, let's worship Jesus in our everyday. You know, even when you're on the M25, and you're frustrated that you're going to be late for that meeting. And Darren, you might be driving a bit too fast. But it's my brother-in-law, it's fine. And you might be driving a bit fast, but and you're frustrated. But you know what? Even in that moment, we're not friends just called to worship. When we come in for an hour and it's all lovely, and the children got up really gently in the morning, and it was no problem getting them into the car and then getting out and getting to church. You know, that, that, that nice, serene Sunday morning. I know what I, I you know, if, if I'm doing something, trying to get out early, it, it all goes horribly wrong. Do you know what, though? We're still called to come and worship, whether it's on a Sunday morning, or whether it's driving to work, or it's going to that board meeting where you know it's going to be really tough, and you're going to get asked to cut your staff by heart. The way you do that cup can be worship to Jesus, the King of Kings. Whether it's when you're at the school gate and there's the mum who says that her husband has left her, the way you respond to that can be worship to Jesus. You see, friends, we can be... Do you know, when I chat to people, who love football, they love going to a football match, but they love playing the game more than anything. And in worship, we can sometimes be spectators watching on, or we can be right in the middle of the game. Or maybe for some of you, it helps better when I talk about the Royal Albert Hall, and you're sat there, and you can, you've gone along to, I don't know, prom plays, and you can sit there, and you can just enjoy the music, or you can get involved. You can be, I'm going to call it the mush pit, but it's not technically called that. That bit in the middle, where everyone goes. I, I pommed many years ago, I did once, and um, I stood in there and I got involved. You see, God is calling us to fall on our knees. If you can't fall on your knees, you can do it in different ways. You can say, Lord, here I am. I want to worship you. I want to worship you. I don't want to be an observer. I want to be a I want to be involved. This week as you go 
into it, whatever it looks like. My prayer would be this for you. It's taken from Psalm 23. This week, whatever your week holds, the Lord is your pace setter. You need not rush. He makes you stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides you with images of stillness which restore your serenity. He leads you in ways of efficiency through calmness of mind. His guidance is peace. Even though you have a great deal of things to do and to accomplish each day, you will not fail. For his patience is here. His timeliness, his importance will keep you in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of activity by anointing your head with oil. May your cup of joyous energy overflow. Such harmony and effectiveness be the fruits of your actions. And may you walk in the peace of the Lord and dwell in his company You see, friends, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Secondly, they were united in worship. May we be, as God's people, coming from different traditions, but united in worshiping Jesus. And thirdly, oh my friends, that worship will break out not just in this gathered place, but across this area as we bring our worship to Jesus on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday morning, on a Sunday morning. I just wonder, Chris and the band, if you'd like to just come up. I've got a prayer that I want to read. It's a prayer from an old Pentecostal minister. But it encapsulates the God that we worship the perfect sacrifice that is available for you and I that we can have life in all its fullness. Before I pray that, I just want to pause. You might be here and you might be like, what is this all about, this revelation stuff? But you might be saying, I want to know more. I want to know that forgiveness. I want to know that welcome. I want to be able to worship this Jesus. Maybe if we could just shut our eyes for a moment. I just want to just pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. You might want to tell me afterwards if you want to know more about Jesus. Then by all means do that. But this is between me and God. Father God, I want to know you more. I want to have your forgiveness. I want to have your welcome. And I'm sorry for where I've messed up. 
but thank you that you forgive me at the cross and you welcome me into your 